Welcome to Ethics and the Naval Warrior. I'm your host, Michael Sears, and today I am particularly honored to have as my guest a good friend, a classmate, and a colleague at the Stockdale Center at the U.S. Naval Academy, Lieutenant General John Whistler. John has held almost every leadership role as a combat engineer officer and as a logistician in the Marine Corps. He then went on to serve as the commanding general of the 3rd Marine Expeditionary Force, subsequently commanding general of Fleet Marine Force Atlantic. Upon retirement from the Marine Corps, John has served as a consultant in leadership development and team building with industry, the military, professional sports teams, and several colleges. John, it is a pleasure. Welcome. It's great to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me with you today. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. And it's all about lethal force today. Let me give you my definition of lethal force. It is when you use the appropriate amount of force for prosecuting your job. Your job might be as a naval officer. Your job might be out there of dropping bombs, might be out there of pulling the lanyard on an artillery piece. It might be out there launching a missile. But oftentimes, especially with lethal force, it ends up where people die. Is that close enough? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's close enough, Mike. I would, I would add a, a little bit of a different twist to it. And, and with this idea of um, proportionality, if you will. There's a technical definition of proportionality, and I, I won't go through that definition, but, but I think every commander at whatever level, when faced with a situation that they need to apply force, and, and by apply force, I mean the application of force is not one that's a simple extension or a manifestation of aggression, but rather it's done with the intent to achieve a mission. And so in that context, the leader, the combat leader, the first question I ask myself, and I know every good combat leader asks themselves is, what's the military advantage that I will achieve in terms of risk to the mission and risk to the force by the application of deadly force? Uh, and then that takes you, depending on your level in the organization, that takes you to whole different levels of understanding about what and how you will apply force. And in today's world, at the higher levels of command, it's the application of both lethal and non-lethal force, um, which can have outcomes on the lives of not only the, you know, the force you are in command of, but as well. That, that adversary that you're operating against. What background are you using when you have to make that call? You see someone coming down in a parachute. You don't know what that person is. I, I understand, and I'm not going to try to play lawyer here, but he may be a parachutist or he might be a paratrooper. And the difference there, of course, is the parachutist might, might just be jumping out of a burning plane. What are you using to judge that application? Yeah, so a couple of simple things that everybody is imbued with uh, whenever you're in a situation where you would have to use lethal force, whether that's uh, a Marine who's guarding nuclear weapons um, or whether that's uh, a soldier, sailor, airman, or Marine in combat. Two distinct sets of guidance that uh, are developed at the highest levels and then not only passed down but trained to by the force all the way down to the lowest level. The first are rules of engagement uh, and subsequent or part of that are the, the rules for the use of force. 
And so in every set of rules of engagement that I've ever been involved in, there was always a requirement for positive ID. Now, how that positive ID of a threat was communicated varied. In terms of traditional combat operations, um, it's fairly straightforward. Somebody in another uniform, somebody uh, you know, who's wearing the uniform of your adversary, who is by intelligence uh, known to be operating in the area, those are sort of the straightforward pieces. Uh, when you're dealing with a non-uniformed enemy, a non-nation state enemy, then it's the idea of threat and threatening action. Um, and, you know, do they possess a weapon? Uh, is it aimed in your direction? Uh, can you positively identify that? And all those decisions, and this is, the, this is truly the challenge, all those decisions have to be made in a matter of milliseconds, if you will, to preserve life on your side and to not unnecessarily take life on the other side. But what's more important, preserving life on my side or preserving life on the other side or not taking unnecessary action? That's the rub. It is, it is the rub. And, and I would offer to you that there's no simple, straightforward answer. I can't say that in this situation, it's always going to be air on the side of taking the other person's life. I would, I would, I would tell you this. My experience in Iraq, a phrase that uh, was developed over time was, if you kill the wrong Iraqi, you will create a hundred new enemies, mm -hmm. particularly real and present, if you will, in those challenging days of 2004 through the awakening in 2007. It was that period of time where the Iraqi people weren't sure if we were the enemy or if al-Qaeda was the enemy. Um, I would offer we went through that same thing in Afghanistan, trying to convince the people of Afghanistan that we were there for their best benefit. and so. In certain instances, uh, all those things have to be weighed in a matter of seconds, milliseconds. And sometimes doing nothing is the appropriate thing. And that is a very difficult skill set to teach uh, a, a young soldier, sailor, airman, and marine, because we are all focused on taking action. You know, that's uh, a great place to take a break real quick. Uh, let's take that break and come back and chat a little bit more from a personal perspective. Welcome back to Ethics and Naval Warrior. And I'm talking with Lieutenant General John Whistler, United States Marine Corps retired. John, you've been serving this country in many different capacities for over 40 years. But let me, let me ask you, Definitely not to take your pack off, but as a human being, how do you square the application of lethal force, the things you have done with humanity, with who you are as a person? Yeah, Mike, thanks. That's a, that is a great question. I think one of the most critical aspects to be able to square this with yourself starts well before you ever encounter this situation. And it fundamentally comes down to um, your total fitness. And total fitness as a warrior uh, requires you, obviously, to be physically fit, requires you to be mentally fit, but it also requires you to be spiritually fit. And I think you have to have an understanding of the purpose of why you have chosen to wear the cloth of your nation. And the 
purpose of that is to maintain the freedoms with which we in this country enjoy every day. And as a Marine um, for and serving in uniform for over 40 years, I had the privilege and opportunity to visit countries where that wasn't the case. All of the requirements, all of the, the, the things that come down to that split second decision where you are forced to take the life of someone else, I believe it is your spiritual fitness, your ability to square inside yourself the purpose of your mission and the honesty with which you go after that and execute that mission is what allows you to survive those moments. I don't know if I have this statistic exactly correct, but a great book called On Combat, I believe in there it says that 98%, over 98% of humans are wired that it is a very difficult thing for them to take another human life. And my experience is exactly that. And it's only through training and understanding and a commitment and a sacrifice that the warrior understands how to apply lethal force through controlled aggression, where the outcome is an absolute must and absolutely protects not only the individual, but their comrades and leads to a positive outcome in terms of mission accomplishment. John, I appreciate that. That is uh, very well said and a very tough set of concepts that we're wrestling with. While you have been a combat warrior uh, in several of this nation's uh, kinetic conflicts, you've also been a warrior where you've uh, taken care of earthquakes in Nepal and disasters in the Philippines and the rest. So you've done the full gamut of service to this country. So listen, thanks a lot. I do appreciate uh, the time we've spent talking and I'm looking forward to doing more later on. Thanks, Mike. Um, and as always, 78 is great. You've been listening to Ethics in the Naval Warrior, produced by the Boeing Leadership Innovation Lab at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. You can find more of our podcasts by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu.